for the beautiful singing. Don't ever quit singing. When you quit singing, you'll lose the victory. God's people, the Lord Jesus' church, is the only people, I believe it's the only religion that sings. Well, it stands to reason they're the only ones that got anything to sing about. Yes, praise God. Well, you've been here all day. Probably your hearts and minds are a little full. Scripture says the Lord looked, something to the effect, the Lord looked upon his people to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. So if you are one who seeks God willingly rather than out of compulsion, it's the greatest mark of wisdom and integrity that can be found. Those that seek God when times are good find that he's with them when times are bad. We leave off the prayer closet. We leave off seeking the Lord and, and meeting with him. Things can get tough. can really get tough. Would it be okay to kneel for prayer again this evening? <clears throat> Yes, our Lord, we come to you this evening as a people. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Holy Word. We thank you that you know absolutely the best. You know better than we know on every subject. Lord, your wisdom does excel. Your wisdom goes beyond the clouds, beyond the heavens. Your wisdom is great. And you're not uh, spent out, even when we've given, you've given us all that we can handle. So, Lord, tonight, as we look at this subject before us, I pray, Lord, for tender hearts. I pray, Lord, for faith that every one of us would believe in your goodness and that you know what you're doing when you command us on this issue. I pray, Lord, for humble hearts. Lord, give me a tender heart before you. Lord, give me obedience in this issue. Oh, Father, I pray that you take away any disrespect that's in my heart. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to plow in our hearts. Have your good will and your good pleasure tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Well, I have perhaps the most painful subject before me this evening, and yet the most blessed subject that could come to the children of men. But God, who is all wise, has spoken very directly to us concerning this matter. I want to speak tonight on a subject that many have wrestled with, a subject that has caused a lot of tears, a subject that has the possibility of bringing untold blessing into our lives. Honor thy father and mother. Honor thy father and mother. 
Turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, if you would, please. While you're turning there, I want to just read a section of Scripture. You could turn to Genesis 48, for that matter. I want to just give you a little picture here. Genesis 48 and verse 10. Joseph is there with Jacob. It's a very touching scene to me. Genesis 48 and verse 10 says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near, speaking of Ephraim and Manasseh. He brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. Joseph basically, in utter regard and respect, bowed himself with his face to the earth. I don't know if he fell flat down on his face and bowed himself to his father. A beautiful, honoring attitude towards his father. Maybe some of us tonight would have a hard time doing that. But I wanted to read in Galatians 6. I'm sorry, not in Galatians 6, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 and verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, tonight I'm not planning on doing a lot of um, qualifying for the Lord. I'm not planning on saying, yes, this is what it says, but, you know, but, you know, really, um, it's not practical, but we have here the Word of God. I do recognize there's a time when we are in childhood. And there's a time when we're adults. But the mandate to honor thy father and mother nonetheless stands. How far-reaching is that? Well, that may be a matter of searching for you and for me. But the mandate to honor is nonetheless given to us by God right here. This is not in the Old Testament. It is, too, in the Old Testament. We're reading from a New Testament epistle. And I don't know what all comes to your mind. When we begin to speak on this subject. Now one of the reasons that my heart is burdened tonight. Is because of my own weakness and failure. My father and I have had very much conflict. Most of it has been since I left home, married. And the larger part of that has been since I was ordained to the ministry. 
I haven't always responded with the right attitude towards my father. It's only been in the last months that the Lord has been more taking the lid off of my eyes to see well, I've not had a right attitude towards him. And I'm sorry about that. I've called and made some apology. But there are still some differences that I don't know if they'll ever change. But my attitude can change. I didn't think about it when my first son turned of age. Because of what's written in the scripture in the Old Testament of the Lord holding in the wilderness wanderings, holding all the young men that were 20 years old and above accountable for the wilderness murmurings. Everybody that was 20 and above died, and they were all accountable. All that were younger than that were exempted from that penalty. Also, the young men went to war at 20 years old. And so for some generations, um, my father's side of the family, we've come of age at 20 years old, considered to be a man, responsible for ourselves before God and the church and society. I didn't think about it when my first son turned 20, but when my second son turned 20 years old, we had all the family, all my children home, and which was my son and daughter-in-law and their little son, and we had a special evening, special meal that evening, and after supper, I had my, uh, had my son kneel in front of me, and I placed my hands on his head and blessed him in the name of the Lord. What all I blessed him, I don't remember. I got done blessing him. I raised him up, put my hands on his shoulders, and said, my son, and now my equal as a man, and embraced him. It was well understood as long as he was in the home that he wasn't walking contrary to the direction that established understanding conduct that we had in the home. There was... um, I'd have a hard time going anywhere, going far enough to find a son that's more respectful than that son is. Both my married sons are are very respectful. My son-in-law is very respectful. Um, I'm just saying that the Lord has been merciful to us and has given us good relationships, very respectful relationships with all our children. And we're, we're deeply grateful for that. Nonetheless, we have before us a subject that you might find a little hard. Sometimes it's especially hard for young men to trust their fathers. I'm not sure why that is. I suppose they mature so much faster and understand so much more and 
so much wiser than Dad that it's a little hard to put up with Dad. But this command stands nonetheless. I'd like to draw our eyes here to verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So easy to understand, so hard to wrap our hearts around. Here we have point number one. This is basic Christianity. It says, children, obey. You know, mom and dad said, you know, Junior, I don't want you to do that. I don't believe that's going to come out right in your life. When you do that, when you go in that direction, you you just need to... Uh, Stop that. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. If we really would see into this command, really would understand what's in the middle of this, and God who established all authority is the author of authority and has placed parents and children in homes, has put them there where I would not exist, Except for God brought me into the world through my parents. You would not exist. And so for us to be disrespectful is sort of like stomping on our umbilical cord. It's sort of like spitting in our own face. I remember when the Lord spoke to me with this verse and said, it's in the prophets, I can't tell you where it is anymore. It says, can a man get a clean thing from an unclean? No, not one. If I look up here at my parents and say, false, false, false. Where'd that come from? It as well go false, false, false. Because after all, if you're buying a pedigree animal, what you want to know is what their parents were. This is basic Christianity. This is not some zenith of accomplishment, brothers and sisters. As I've looked at this subject, as I've related to a lot of parents and children, and I've seen a lot of struggles, the amount of glorious blessing that comes upon those that bow even to what seems unreasonable requirements. And they bow and God pours blessing upon them. Their eccentrics somehow begin to get mellowed out and smoothed out. And it's amazing. So I've come to understand that this is, this is basic Christianity. 
God who set up all authority says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Colossians, I think, says in all things. In how many things? In all things. Children. And I think there's a bracket possibly present here tonight that come in that category. We couldn't say that you're married, that you're adults, that you're out on your own, that you're clearly under a different line of authority to make your basic decisions. You're in a home. And many times, parents lay in their beds and pray and shed tears and wonder how are things going to come out with my son or my daughter. The word obey, this is from the definition from the 1828 dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, is to comply with the commands, orders, or instructions of a superior, or with the requirements of the law, etc., to do that which is commanded or required, or to forbear doing that which is prohibited. A very simple word. It's something we expect out of little junior. But somehow, when we get a little older, it feels a little more difficult. And it's amazing, the time Junior turns, turns 25, how much Dad has learned. Many times it's amazing. If you are at the age of being at home with your parents, it is only basic Christianity for you to obey your parents. Look at the words in verse number one. Children, obey your parents. These are commands, not for an elite bracket of young people who have perfect parents that are just spiritual, that are elite. They've got everything together. They they never make a mistake. They never feel upset. They never talk in a wrong tone of voice. This is not for that bracket of young people. These are commands. It's basic. It's foundational. It's a starting point. I got a call. I actually had a conversation with an individual and said, uh, up there in that community, the young man got born again. And he uh, wants to be baptized. He um, certain that he's got born again, but he doesn't want to be part of that church group that he's part of there and his parents are part of. And and uh, says, uh, I'd uh, suggest that you would... Uh, Take some witnesses and slip in at night and, uh, and baptize him. Well, how old is he? Well, he's 16. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. It's the divine law, the golden rule. I have a son that's almost 17 at that time. And I says, hmm, if my son were struggling with where we are, Hmm. Now he says he got born again, and the Baptist slipped in and baptized him. I would not appreciate it. I'm not doing it. Longer story short, myself and two other brothers got in a vehicle and drove over to that community and knocked on that father's house door. 
They were just finishing lunch. And asked if we could visit with him. Yes, you can visit. So we went out there in an old shed and sat down. We started talking. His father, with all humility, took full responsibility for where his son was. He said, yes, my son is struggling. Feels like he came to the Lord, but he's struggling. And he says, I could point to this place or the other for where I think the struggles are coming from, but he said, I'm not going to. He says, if my children don't turn out right, I have failed. And he hung his shoulders and he took the full responsibility for where his son was. Gives me the goosebumps. Before we left that afternoon, the son and the father and mother were sitting there, and the son turns to his parents and begins to apologize for the attitudes that he's had. He begins to apologize. He's willing to wait on the Lord. Well, years rolled by. Numerous phone calls. Prayer. Resulted that the father himself, after the young man turned 21 years old, the father himself took his son and his son's belongings and got on the bus and drove many miles to the community where the son wanted to go and took him there to the place and unpacked his stuff and saw him settled in and the father got back on the bus and went home. The young man's testimony was, the longer I stayed home in that community, the harder it was for me to leave. I just began to realize these are fine Christians. I'm just amazed at, at how, you know, I, yeah, that's my vision, but I, I find it hard to go. And before he would ask for a girl, he'd ride home to his parents and get their blessing to move ahead with this decision. You see the honor that's come into this young man's life. Where would that young man be tonight if I had sown to his dishonor of his parents and gone in there and baptized him contrary to parents' oversight when God here clearly has just said, children, obey your parents. God has a blessing tucked in it. It's hid. Even in your difficulty is a blessing in it. And if you'll look to God in your distress, in your difficulty, and say, God, I'm going to obey you. I am going to turn my heart to my parents and be a blessing to them as long as I live, if it's possible. When the time comes that it's time for me to move on in the fear of God, God's blessing will come upon that person. We will see that here in a little bit. The next word I want to consider is the word honor. Let me say first, and I've expressed this already, that I don't believe that parents hold an indefinite control over their children forever. The reason that I say that, if you'll study the Gospels, there was a situation where Jesus was preaching, casting out devils, and he was very busy. And his friends, it says said he's beside himself. Well, he's lost it. I mean, he's lost his rocker. Uh, and they went out to lay hold on him. And I suspect that they got mom and, and, and brothers, siblings involved in this thing. And they came there. And the crowd's so thick around Jesus that they couldn't come in the house. And they said, hey, your mother and brethren are out here. They want to see you. 
They were interfering with the work of Jesus. Jesus was fully 30 years old, I would say that. And he was in his ministry, and they were going to interfere. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? It's these who hear the word of God and keep it. They're an alternative family. And there's time where that comes into play. Um, the people of God. There's, there's alternative family. There's, there's that. So Jesus himself is our perfect example. There is no disrespect towards mother. Tell that woman to get out of here. He never said that. No attitude of disrespect. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, he sees his mother there. And he sees that disciple. And he says, uh, John, behold your mother. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. However, and turned over that responsibility. See, Jesus, as the oldest son, had a responsibility to care for his mother. And as he was dying, he cared for his mother in honoring his mother. The other context that honoring your parents comes up is in the context of Corbin. And I don't have time to fully elaborate on it tonight. But in that context, Jesus lays the responsibility on the scribes and Pharisees that they did not permit the children to profit, benefit their parents in anything. So you just basically excuse him. And that's the context that Corbin is there. And Jesus used the terms of honoring their parents in the context of taking care of them and looking after their needs and helping them when they need help. Does that make sense? Do you you feel like you understand that? So let's go on. Children, honor your parents. I believe this one is for life. Honor means to revere, to respect, to treat with deference and submission and perform relative duties to. There's a brother in our congregation. In honor to his father and mother, he and his whole family wear suspenders as a demonstration for the parents' concern about where they as a family were going. No problem. It's just clothes. They put them on and they wear them and they're happy about it. There's none of them. And it's interesting how the younger generation respects dad because dad is respectful interesting this might be dangerous for me to say this but my son-in-law came to me and said I just had a long talk with my father and I uh, I just heard my father out and said uh, you, uh, you might be uh, seeing me wearing certain articles of clothing he's married he's married to my daughter You might see me wearing certain articles of clothing because dad desires it. Dad feels like he would be respectful. He's not demanding it. That would be his preference. He said, if I honor my dad in this, he said, will my children respect me for it? Absolutely. I said, they'll do things for you that wouldn't be their preference. They will bless you in honoring you. And this is how this thing works. When we honor, and I'm getting ahead of myself, God places an honor on us. And this is how it's supposed to look. Grandparents, parents, and junior. Now, when is junior going to be unstable? 
in his youth. God put grandpa and dad and mom, grandpa and grandma, dad and mom for the sisters, your grandparents, all up there to speak into your life and help bring stability. We don't dart this way and that way and lose our way. That's how God ordained for it to be. But sin and strife and struggle many times separates children and parents. I think it's four generations above me or including me, four generations there's been strong conflict between parents and children. In many cases, parents and children not worshiping the same church. Strong opinions. Lord, deliver us from doing it. To honor, to revere, to respect, to treat with deference. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do it, you know. Submission and perform relative duties to. You know what? Somebody says, do I have to? Oh, no. If you want to, you don't have to. And when we get the vision of what God had in his heart and the blessings that he wishes to pour upon us, oh, it soon begins to break our heart for our resistant attitudes. It won't hurt us to comply. Well, this is... I'm going to say this is basic obedience to God. Those who embrace this basic doctrine of Christianity reveal their wisdom, their maturity, and their humility, and their stability. Those that do that. Now, I know there's some shockingly difficult situations. But you know what? If you'd be willing to die at the hand of your enemy... To humble ourselves before the frown of our father or mother is not so hard. Number two, this is the mandate of God. What do I mean? A mandate. This is a mandate of God. This was not Paul's idea. God requires it. The sooner we as a people recognize the obligations we have in this matter to God in parental authority, the better. You say, but they have wronged me. I can't honor them. Did you ever read, bless those that curse you? Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you? Did you ever read that? Did you ever think that maybe this is applying to your nearest friends or nearest enemies? Did you ever uh, think that that, that that neighbor, that this might be our closest neighbor? If we're able to do this, brothers and sisters, and bow our hearts and reverence and honor where God says, you'll be very good and ready for persecution. It's that inner will that's the problem. Can we not honor those that gave us life and cared for us for years? When you become a parent and you sit and rock a baby that's colicky, or sick, 
and uh, you've been at it for hours, and you trade off with the baby's mother, and, and you've cared for this baby, and they're sick, and they got the flu, and, and, uh, and uh, messy diapers, and, um, and stomach aches, and, and ear aches, and um, you go to work anyway. And, and uh, then we begin to realize what our parents went through to take care of us. I had tremendous earaches, and there were nights that most of the night, my mother was up caring for me. We didn't have antibiotics. We, we lived in the woods. Um, we didn't have that olive oil and, uh, or white vinegar and, and um, olive oil, I believe it is. White vinegar and onion juice. There's different combinations that people use. And uh, it, it does marvels. It does marvels. My mother... I could sleep the next day. The earache backed off the next day, but mother couldn't. She had seven boys and one girl. And we treat them flippantly. Those who sow disrespect, dishonor, argument, and sneering will get plenty of it in return. Whatsoever a man soweth, it will he also reap. And this matter is not an exception. There was actually a young man. He was older than I am. He told me about it. He said, I was thinking about leaving home. As soon as I was 18, I decided I'm going to leave home. I'm going to leave home. And somebody said, now, look, Aaron. Would you want your sons, your children, to leave you when you're 18, when they're 18? No, said, I wouldn't want that at all. So what you sow, you're going to reap. He said, in those conditions, I'm staying home. And he stayed home till he was 21 and had a release from his father. Well, let's turn to some scriptures. Proverbs 20, verse 20. Proverbs 20, 20. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. The faculty that helps this man make sound, sound light on the subject decisions will be put out. People who blast, defame, dishonor their parents have a tremendous problem discerning in issues and making right judgment calls. This verse says, Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Terrible things are going to happen to that person. It's like the curse of God comes on him. Proverbs 23 Proverbs 23, verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she's old. I'm hoping this next week, maybe get my children together and cut a large load of firewood in in Kentucky there and and haul it down and put it in... uh, in dad's barn there for their wood for next winter. 
Um, I've sort of taken responsibility, taken upon myself to see to it that he have heater wood. And I know that mother likes good wood. It's only the best to do for her. From my perspective, only the best will do for it. We'll cut hickory. Might be a little hard to split. We got a log splitter. And uh, maybe some oak, some cherry. We'll split some good wood and take down there and put in that shed with pleasure. Knowing that next winter, Lord willing, my mother's going to take it out of the wood box and feel that heavy wood. Put it in her stove. She said, I like heavy wood. What a joy to take your heavy wood. It always warms my heart. Warms my brow a little. Proverbs verse 30. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagle shall eat it. You want part of that? It says, the eye that mocketh at his father. And despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out. I'm told that the first thing an eagle goes for, or a buzzard goes for, to make sure his prey is dead, is the eye. This verse indicates that when we're living in this condition, there's a death working in us. There's a death working in us. Exodus 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now the Lord has been going down through here and giving ten commandments. Given a number of commandments. But he gets down to this one. He says, hmm, this one's going to be a tough one. Many a one's going to stumble on this one. I don't know, I'm imagining. I'm going to tuck a blessing in this one. If you honor your father and your mother... It's going to be a blessing to you. And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. I'll not get ahead of myself again here. But it says, honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long. You ever feel like your day is too short and you don't get enough accomplished in it? Well, it might mean that. You'll have plenty of time. Things will flow for you. I didn't expect to get that much done. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. But I think more completely what it means is that you have a lot of days. And when I find an exceptionally old person, you know what one of the first thoughts that goes through my mind? 
I wonder if they really honored their parents. Someone said that there's no doubt about it that rebellion cuts off your life. Dishonored a parent shaves time off your life. It's hard on a person. Leviticus 20, verse 8. Leviticus 20, verse 8 and 9. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. For every one that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Basically, he's guilty of his own death. And blood is not going to bring a pardon to take away his sin. His blood's going to be upon him. It's very, very serious. I just somehow haven't taken it as serious as in, in some of the years as I should have. Well, there in Leviticus 20, it says, you shall keep my statutes. You know what the statute is? Statute is? It's a mandate of God. God, ha- it's a mandate. It, it's mandatory. And the Lord says you shall keep them. Cursing father or mother is the extreme of disrespect. But how many resistant, selfish attitudes is God holding us responsible for? Turn to Matthew 15, verse 3 through 6 yet. Matthew 15. This is that passage that I had mentioned before. This is not just between us and our parents. This is the mandate of God. Matthew 15, verse 3. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. Are we, are we above expense board? Are, have, we, have we gone beyond the level of being just an expense? Have we brought profit into our parents' lives? Here's a question. Verse 6, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now I'm going to say that I recognize that the Lord said any man wants to come after me and is not willing to forsake father and mother, houses, lands, wife, children, his own life for my sake. He can't follow me. He can't be my disciple. But many times... Too often, I believe it is that people take their own way in the name of following Christ when actually they're being dishonoring and not following Christ at all. They're doing what they wanted to do. They may be taking who knows what kind of direction. That this is not just between us and our parents. Ephesians 6, again, 
And we'll talk about the blessings flow. It's our basic passage here in Ephesians 6. The blessings flow. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The blessings flow. If you meet the conditions, the blessings will flow. God has promised. Does God lie? We would all say, God does not lie. The blessings will flow. Does he know how to make it so it will be well with us? There's a lot of emotional struggles out there. There's a whole lot of depression out there. Does God know how to work in your situation when we humble ourselves and seek to honor our parents and bring an honorable attitude toward them? Does the Lord know how to bring emotional stability and strength and and grace in our lives to where, oh, I feel better today. I I don't feel depressed. Uh, That heavy spirit has left me, that heavy atmosphere. The Lord knows how to bless you and me in our lives so that things thrive and go well for us. What about financially? Does he know how to bless us financially? Giving us wisdom in spending, giving wisdom in giving, in saving, and working. Does he know how to bless us? He knows how to bless us. And he said, if you want it to be well with you, I don't know what his prescription is going to be for you or how it's all going to work out. But he promises this when there's that attitude of honor. You know what happens? In many cases, the parents that have been in an honest situation, been holding the children back from following the Lord, they in many cases just wither and say, you, you go ahead. I, I'm not going to hold you back. Um, I just appreciate your attitude. I, I, I feel like it's safe for you to go ahead. I don't know how, how the Lord will bless you. And <laughs> don't take it that I gave you a ticket now that if you humble yourself and put on a good enough performance and the parents will let you do whatever you want to do. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Lord knows how to, um, how to bless us. He knows how to make it to be well with us. You know what I've found? My struggles with my father has brought to surface surface some of my deepest needs. Did the Lord know what were there? The Lord knew they were there. Did he want to help me with them? He wanted to help me with them. Could I see him? No. So, okay. We'll let this difficulty arise. No, Lord. Does he know how to help us in relationships? God wants us to have sweet marriages. But I'm telling us, young folks, young people here, blessed young people, there are things in you that don't make for sweet marriage. There are things in you and me that don't make for sweet marriages. It's willfulness. It's, it's wrangling. It's wrestling. And when we learn to bow to authority, to our parents, oh, those things begin to get worked out and taken away. And, oh, you get married. So I just didn't know life could be so sweet. But when there's reactions and rebellions, many times I didn't know it could be so sour. The Lord knows how to bless us it, 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 uh, in relationships, respect in the brotherhood, 
closeness between you and your children? Does the Lord know how to bless you in that? A real love and a care for your parents? When you submit and honor, you are humbling yourself and sowing seeds that will bless you and your children and all your lives. It is an amazing principle. Honoring your parents will improve your health. I believe it will. Your digestive system might work better. You see, God put us in our places in life and then told us how to relate in our place. When we are relating as God told us to, God blesses us and helps us conquer our problems and life flows. He promises length of days. Oh, how I need the Lord Jesus in order to have a right heart of honor towards my father especially. I want to talk now about things that hinder your honor. Things that hinder the honor that we should have. Number one, pride. Pride. It's where all rebellion comes from. Satan was proud. He wanted to take the throne of God. He wanted to be like the Most High. He kept saying, I will, I will, I will there in Isaiah. Pride. I will. My will is the biggest thing that comes in the hindrance of this issue. This is where all rebellion comes from. When that thing rises up in you, it's not coming from humility. You know what I mean? When that thing just rises up in you, it's not coming from humility, brothers and sisters. It's not coming from humility. Let's go for some points on, on humility and pride here to James 4. The book of James, so full of wisdom, shows us ourselves as we are. And I'm going to say that it's not right for parents who have disrespect and disdain for their parents to now come with a heavy hand on their children. Submit to me. Submit to me. Parents, please don't do that. It's destructive. It shows their own pride. It's when we wrestle through that matter of that honor that ought to go that way. You know, it'll bring humility in our lives. James 4, verse 1 through 7. I'm going to read these verses and then I'm going to bring out some points here. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now you see it all over in the world. These clashing relationships and disregard for authority. 
And we, we see it all over the place. And this is a worldly spirit. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, verse 5, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So things that haunt, hinder your honor. Number one is pride. And I have several points under pride here. These verses describe a tremendous conflict. Do you see that conflict? From whence come wars and fightings among you? I think of the turmoil that's inside of a person. There may be turmoil in relationships. There may be clashing and a lot of things going on. But do you see the conflict here? This comes from pride. There's a root of pride here. Pride produces clashing in relationships. And that will be found in verse 1. Pride causes turmoil so you can't understand yourself and your circumstances. I find people, I find young people that are reacting to their parents and reacting to authority and kicking and resisting and having disregard. And they, have, they can't figure themselves out. There's just so much turmoil and unrest in their lives. I'd look for pride. Pride, oh, pride is that first element of our fallen nature, that fallen humanity. It is the most against what Jesus is like. Oh, that pride, that root of pride in there. It causes clashing. It causes turmoil. You see that in verse 1 through 3. Uh, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and can't obtain it. You can't get what you want. And fight and war and you have not because you ask not. Oh, I forgot to pray. Oh, yeah. You ask and receive not because your motive was wrong. Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You see the turmoil that's in this relationship. And the root of it is pride. Uh, best that I can understand. Well, in verse number four, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Pride is the spirit of the world, is in tune with it, and it brings enmity with God. If these things are in our lives, no wonder we've been having trouble. And it's been dad and mom that's been so at fault, and I'm not saying they haven't done things wrong. I want to talk about that a little bit. But pride produces self-will in verse 7. Otherwise, 7 wouldn't have to say, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So we have devilish involvement here now. It says, Submit yourself. Pride produces self-will. I wanted it that way. But Dad, why do I have to look so old-fashioned? I want to tell you something here right now, tonight. We have two poles in our society that we can look at. In our worlds, probably in all of our worlds, we more or less, we have two poles. One is the world, the rank world that, what, that does what it wants to do, whether we like it or not. And the other way is the traditional old order way. I'm talking about things of dress and lifestyle and personal appearance. Which meter are you going to swing towards? 
There's a term, li, means toward, right? World, li. Leaning in that way. When it comes to issues of your personal appearance tonight, is the pole that is pulling at you worldly? We could say, well, godly. I'm not going to say that the old orders have gotten everything right in all of its ways. I'm just saying it's another pole. They have taken distinct steps to not be worldly in their appearance. Where are you going to get your vibes from? Where you get your vibes from, and as you seek God and you look in the Word of God, many of those principles that those people built their lives on came from the Word of God. If you're willing to look at the principles of the Word of God and with a conscientious heart make changes towards the Word of God and towards simplicity of life, I believe you're headed in the right direction. But fathers have struggles with their children. They want to look new-fashioned and worldly. Oh, no, we wouldn't go that far. Oh, no, 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 no. Just, you want me to look so old-fashioned. I'm going to suggest to you tonight, if you want to get a hold of the heart of God, Dad, if you have a God-fearing father, go ask him, do you have anything to say to me concerning my personal appearance? How I look? How would you like me to comb my hair? Um, for the boys? How would you like me to cut, have my hair cut? Well, we never had a choice at home. We got looking long and shaggy. And my mom says, oh, that looks like rebellion. She sat us down and mowed us. <laughs> and you know what? I don't like long, shaggy hair either. When I see it, I say, oh, that looks rebellious. Mm, I'd like the scissors. Now, I'm talking about practicality of honoring our parents. It will not hurt us, brothers and sisters. It will bring that pride that's wanting to come out. It'll bring it down. And the Lord says, when you humble yourself, I'm going to dump grace on you. I... I don't have a whole lot for theories or ideas or lofty. I, I like to have it in shoe leather. I, I can see what it does, how it walks, um, what it wears. You know, I, let's get practical. How does this apply? I'm talking about the spirit of it, but also just give you an illustration of what I think of. There are many things. Oh, I had good, mean parents. I was a little for my age, and I don't suggest that you paddle your 16-year-old. I think probably if you haven't gotten it by then, you've missed it. But I was 16 years old. Now it easily passed for 14. But there I was, and we washed clothes in an old washer that had the rocker thing, you know. The way mom wanted it. We heated water in a cast iron kettle, and I had a bad attitude. I don't know what's the matter with me. I had a bad attitude. And I was sloshing water around. 
mom had spoken to me about it and said, roll off like water off of a duck. And, uh, well, she took and paddled me. Didn't change a thing. Dad came in. And uh, she says, I don't know what to do with him. I've already <laughs> whipped him once and didn't do any good. Dad looked at me and looked at her and says, well, do it again. Now, Dad got firewood from a cabinet shop, and there's some of those strips on there. Mom pulled one off of the wood stack and bent me over and lit into me. And to the glory of God, to this day, I recognize that something changed inside of me. Something changed. There was a sweetness. There was a turning. There was, there was something that changed inside of me. And to this day, I thank God that she did it. And I didn't resent her at the time for doing it. Something changed inside of me. There was a sweetness and a blessing and a grace that came into my life there. So I had good old mean parents. And um, thank God if you have some too in the right way. I'm not talking about abusive and angry and stormy. Pride produces self-will. And that many times is what comes in between children and their parents. Pride hinders God's grace from flowing and rather brings his displeasure and resistance. Verse 6 and 7 here. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace... Unto the humble, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So God looking, almighty God looking in our lives sees where we have pride and resistance. And he says, oh my, I have to arrange a situation here for my son, my daughter. I really want to get this out of their life, this self-will, this, this pride. And so he has to bring a situation in that crosses us. Oh, we don't like it. We begin to humble ourselves before our father and mother. I'm talking to you youth. You begin to humble yourself before them. God begins to draw near to you. And really, you're submitting to God when you do that. It's a real aspect. It's in shoe leather, submission to God. Wherever there's conflict, check for pride. Scripture says only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride? Okay, things that, honor, things that hinder your honor. Number two, you see faults in them and are not sure you can trust them. Well, I'm sure you do see faults in them. But what does it say? What, what does it say? It says, did it say, uh, children, when your parents have gotten perfected and you see no more faults, then you can honor them? No. I'd just like to draw our hearts back to, to that command. You know what? In that case, your children won't trust you. I'm going to recommend to you that you put a big trust in God. See, Sarah found herself in some situations too. Remember Sarah, Abraham's wife? She all of a sudden, here's all appearance, some men. Um, king wants you up at his palace. Uh, 
He'd like to have you for one of his wives. Said, your brother here is uh, uh, getting a dowry. <laughs> we'd, we'd, uh, we'd have a brother's meeting with Brother Abraham, I'm supposing, and um, try to get these. But Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And the only thing I can figure out is she had a big confidence in God and understood authority. That's all I can understand. I'm not suggesting that you, you know, um, go live in sin. I'm just saying, just because we see faults in our parents, our children will see faults in us. And if you can't trust them, your children can't trust you. We've got faults. Maybe they've wronged you. It's just plain as day they have wronged you. I'll give you a glimpse into my history. I was 40 years old. My family, my wife and I, we made a decision to move to Liberty, Kentucky. That didn't suit my father at all. At that point, there were eight of us children, and we all lived within two miles. Moreover, I was pastor in local congregation where he at least attended. And um, it seemed he felt that if he could get me to understand him, that I would change my mind and realize it's a foolish thing to do, to move. And so he would come and talk to me. And I felt he was putting pressure on me. And every conflict that my father and I had ever had to that point came up in my heart. And the disrespect just, just wanted in there, wanted out. And I just purposed just to say nothing, just keep my mouth shut. Didn't always even succeed. But the pressure was mounting in my heart. And how I felt towards my father was mounting. And it wasn't good feelings. I knew it was wicked. And I knew plain, I mean, I'd seen rebellion before. What I was dealing with was rebellion and resentment towards my father. And I wrestled and agonized. I knew these principles of honor and dishonor. And I said, I can't go anywhere on the face of this earth with what I have inside of me and prosper. It doesn't, I can't move to a new place. I, I can't prosper. And one night, the pressure was burst, about the bursting point. And I was agonizing before the Lord, saying, Lord, help me. I know how I feel inside. I can't prosper. I can't do well. Help me, Lord. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's a beautiful verse, but what's that got to do with that? He didn't say anything else. Hmm. So when the Lord said something, now he isn't talking. You start thinking about what he said. Well, what did he say? Their sins and iniquities, and I knew that applied to my sin and my iniquity. He was not going to remember anymore. Hmm. Is God forgetful? No. No, God's not forgetful. His understanding is infinite. His memory is perfect. He's going to get away with nothing. 
Oh, you mean he chooses to not remember my sin and iniquity. He's made a choice that he won't call it back to mind. There's something could come up from the past. Nope, not going to remember that. Throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. Nope, not going to remember that. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to relate to my dad. Oh, (laughs) I can't remember. I can't remember. It was so liberating. It was like a weight burst off of my chest. It was so liberating. It was so liberating that the next day my wife and I got in a pickup and we went and found dad where he was hauling hay and tried to explain the liberation that I got. He didn't get it. That was a Friday and Saturday. He called me and he says, uh, what were you trying to say yesterday anyway? And I said, well, dad, I I was trying to apologize. Oh, boom. He still didn't approve of us. He came talk to me maybe a couple more times, but I couldn't remember. And, uh, but the conflict between Dad and I went to nothing. See, in life, under the Lord Jesus, I was responsible for my family and to lead our lives and follow the Lord. I didn't need to go and ask my father for permission anymore to move to Kentucky. I believe there's a point in which there's manhood that's reached in, in, in this proper realm, in the proper attitudes, that yes, to seek their blessing, to seek their favor. But in this case, um, I needed to follow the Lord Jesus, but I needed to do it with the right attitude. Oh, joy of joys, a year and three months later, it was at Thanksgiving time, my father called me. And he said... Uh, yeah, I've been thinking. He said, um, when you uh, decided to move, he said, I was certain it was not the Lord's will. But considering everything that's happened since you moved, he said, I, I can see it may have been the Lord's will after all. Well, thank you, Dad. I'm just real calm and real polite. and I had a nice conversation. When I hung that phone up, I came out of the bedroom shouting. I said, Dad, give me the nicest gift a man, a father could give his son. He said I was in God's will, and he basically blessed me in being here. Hallelujah. Oh, I was, yeah, it was. uh, mm. Can you take that approach? Yeah, I think they wronged me there, but I'm not going to remember. I am going to refuse to call it to mind. You know what began to happen in my life? Before it had been trouble and conflict and conflict. It was rising. The uh, volcano was about to pop. That's how it felt. But after the Lord set me free, I began to remember. You remember back there when we were struggling financially? We just, we were at the bottom. We didn't have any money. We had this situation. Dad came and helped me. And we cut trees in my woods, haul them to the sawmill, and cut a load of pallet wood that day and haul it to the pallet mill. And Dad didn't keep a red cent. He even paid for the fuel to saw it. Oh, isn't that pretty nice? 
What a blessing that has been. And that situation after situation of nice things about my father started coming back to my mind. It's the gift of God. I'm not saying that you'll have no problems. Chances are you might have some problems. But let's be under God's guidance and his mandate so the blessings can flow. Oh, it's the direction I want to set my heart. All right. Number four, it seems they are hindering you from following Christ. You know, really, this happens much less often than we might think. Young people are idealistic and often less holy than they think they are. The Lord says while they are children, they are to obey and honor. Well, we're thinking of youth Bible school here. Practically, how can you honor them? Well, you can obey immediately and cheerfully, even if the job is unpleasant or changes your plans. They give you some guidance, some direction. You might say, well, you know, I had this in mind for tonight. No, I I need you to take care of that. Yes, yes, Dad. Yes, Mom. Uh, I'd be glad to do that. God will bless you. You can honor them by thanking God for them, taking an interest in them, in their beliefs, their concerns. And where you feel that they are erring, seek to improve your life in that area where you feel they made mistakes. Don't react to it. You'll make the same mistake. Seek to improve. So, well, you know, here seemed like there was a little need here um, in their lives. Well, let's see if I can, uh, I can improve by God's grace and not make the same mistake. Seek to enrich your parents. Take care of them when they're old and need help. Or help them whenever they have a need. Let's turn our hearts toward them, toward our parents, rather than away from them. Many old people are lonely. Old people get stuck in nursing homes. They're totally out of their environment. They're out of their normal environment. It's hard for old people to change environment. It really causes them a lot of struggle. But children, nah, they're not interested in mom and dad. I believe there's an indication that piety should begin at home. To requite our parents. To bless them. Take care of them. You know, it's interesting. Since we moved to Kentucky, I've had more conversations with my father about his childhood and what things were like in Canada where he grew up and what the church situation was and what the, uh, just in general, I had some wonderful, uh, I didn't know that uh, he had passed through so much. I didn't know that... uh, you know, uh, some of those things that, that are history there, well, we think, well, that, that was history. We'll never repeat that. Well, it's in a big circle. And if we don't understand history and know where to take our lives, we're uh, going to repeat history. It's the way it seems to work. So I would just recommend to us tonight this mandate of God and turn our heart in that direction. Maybe our heart tonight has been turned away. You might be in a very difficult situation. There might be a need for your brotherhood to be involved in your home situation. I don't know what your situation is. But can we tonight turn our hearts towards him who has spoken and not refuse him? I don't know if you feel that the Lord has spoken to you tonight. He's been speaking to me. Would you like to pray about it?
we'd like to give you an opportunity just to come and pray about it while the thoughts are fresh, while the word is fresh. Would you like to come and pray? Seek the Lord's face and talk with somebody and uh, find some counsel and guidance for your life. Just like to stand together and give an invitation. What should we sing, Brother Leon? 387. Oh, for a heart to praise my God. If you'd uh, like to just come and pray. The Lord is almighty. He is able to change your situation if you have a difficult situation. He's able to change our hearts, too. If that's where the problem lies, shall we sing?